Ladies and gentlemen, it is your boy, Sammy B. Real, the owner of the Ghost Lights podcast and his favorite <laughs> fantasy football team, the Chocolate Touch! <laughs> the Chocolate Touch. Chocolate turd. Chocolate turd. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you know what they say. If it happens once, it's an accident. If it happens twice, it's scary. If it happens three times, it's a trend. I'm sure that's not how the phrase actually goes, but I just got off of work dealing with a whole bunch of lousy kindergarten kids. So I called on my friend Luke Allen, <laughs> the Ramsdorf Terry. I don't know the breakdown of your name either. That's okay. It's few few people do nowadays. Since adding on the extra uh, dozen consonants, it's okay. Congratulations on the merit, Thanks. sir. Thank you very much. The, the 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 unification of two powerhouses in uh, Colorado theater. I would say you and Susan dominate. Oh, she dominates much more than I do. Well, I'll be the first. The, to yeah. not to discredit. You know what I do, but I you know I I can't sing. I can't sew. But hey, I've heard I, know you how to use, I know how to use an audio program. I've heard so. you sing. You, <laughs> it's it's not bad. It's not bad when you sing when you sing um, anything by Bruce Springsteen. My heart melts. Oh well, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Definitely, ladies and gentlemen, you know who it is. It's Sammy B. Real. It's the Ghost Lights I'm podcast. We uh, open up as always with "War" by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. They are our unofficial theme music people. So please give them a, uh, a a like on Facebook. Download that track off iTunes. It's probably 99 cents because it's been out for a while. So please make it happen. Follow us on Podbean and iTunes as well. The Ghost Lights Podcast. It's happening. This is It's going down. As, Basement. As someone also who uh, does this kind of crap or just, well not does this kind of crap, but just pays attention to this kind of crap, it's important. If you leave a review on iTunes, five stars... That does a load of good. You honestly have no idea how much that will help the metrics. So give my man a five-star review. Oh. And he will thank you for it, and we will thank you for it later as well. Definitely. Um, we got to start coming up with, like, Ghost Lights t-shirts for all the followers we, out yeah, there. Yeah, you need to get some merch up in here, man. Get we, some, do. Uh, we do. We do T-shirts or some koozies or... Oh, man. Ghost Lights koozies would be fantastic. Or some tote bags. Tote Who knows? bags? I don't know. I mean, we could do it all. <laughs> I mean, we're going to become the next PBS right here. Oh, I love that. Yeah, today's unofficial sponsor is a 90 Shilling from... Odell Brewing Co. Please check it out. It's mm-hmm. it's a Friday. We wanted something cold. Absolutely. Yeah. This is this is just delicious. I've, I've not had ninety shilling in a while, so mm. this is better than I remember. It's doing the job, mm-hmm. folks. It is doing the jobs. We also got a shot of Jameson on standby because I owed Luke Allen Terry, um, Luke Allen Ramsdorf Terry. I owed him a bottle um, from a, a, a poor fantasy football bet. I think it was a little ill-advised. Uh, well, the first couple, it was it was in that period where it was ill-advised, yes, the first couple of seasons, <laughs> because that's when Dak Prescott was actually playing well, yeah. when, when Zeke was still on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Zeke went out, and everything went to crap, and the rest is the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say about the Cowboys. Definitely. So, Slauncha, so, sir. Slauncha. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Those of you at home, you can't tell, but we are in flavor country. Oh, absolutely. Minus the, minus the tobacco yeah, indeed. and the cowboys, yeah. but it's still delicious. It's very tasty. Um, so, Luke, run, yeah. us, run us through the things that you do. You're an actor. Mm-hmm. You're a, a director. I am. You are the... One of the one of the heads at uh, Spotlight. Uh, I'm on the uh, well. I'm on the board at Spotlight Theater Company, uh, which plays at the John Han Lowry call in uh, the Lowry neighborhood of Denver, and also I am uh, the associate artistic director there. Mm, okay, you're you're one of the 
Best sound guys in Colorado. Oh, thank you. Um, you thank didn't you. laugh when you saw me do the slow rise on my laptop for the YouTube link to play oh, that God, song. Oh, God, no, I love that. Yeah. It's just, it's, there's something this gorilla and gritty about it. It was very, I love it. <laughs> some, peop, some people would say it's amateurish. My friend calls it gorilla and gritty, and uh, that's why you're my friend, <laughs> No, it's it, 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 well, you, you're using what works. You're not just being. You're just using what works, and it gets a nice, very honest feel about it. It so does. It's good. No, I no, like I, it. I, I, I just like to stick true to my roots. No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a grunt. You're a grunt. Yeah. Did you say I, you're a gorilla. I got. I was about to. I, I was. I've been falling in love with John Barenthal of late, and mm, I've been hearing oh, him talk about God. acting. Okay. And so I was just like, no, I dig this guy. He's very honest about like I'm not as good as. Gary Oldman. I got to mm-hmm. work a lot harder. Mm-hmm. I got to go method for three months while I play the Punisher. I and would I'm not like, want to be a part of that method acting no, for no. him. And this uh, is a man with like three daughters and a wife, and he's got to go. Very, yeah, he's very happily married and has a great home life and everything I see. I've not seen the Punisher myself aside from what was on Daredevil. but It's great. Check I, out that uh, first season on Netflix. Okay, good. Make, like, make it a... Like an episode a night when okay. you get home from rehearsal. Okay. Just, just get a taste every night, and you'll be very happy. It's there's so many that's I'm gonna move that to the top of my need to watch list now because I still haven't finished I finished just not too long ago the first season of Jessica Jones mm-hmm. I still haven't started Luke Cage I still haven't started uh, what's the one the, the whitewashing Asian guy oh what's it? oh yeah Iron Fist uh, Iron Fist I haven't watched that one yeah. and I also haven't watched the Defenders I mean Daredevil is still the absolute best one of the four. I'm hearing that it's really good. And if it gives me a taste, I haven't watched any of the Daredevil. The second season's okay. It's not anywhere near as good as the first. The first is just phenomenal. Let me just say the reason why I've been resistant resistant to the Daredevil is because I always I always had a problem with him because he he had these these small baby horns on the top of his head. (laughs) And I could never understand like, oh, so you're a devil. And and I guess that was the cute part of his costume. It just never made right, any sense. Right, because he needed to have a cute part. It's yeah. they kind of explain it a little bit in the in the series, if I remember correctly. And what but, was with the early renditions with him with like the yellow vest? Well, you take a look at and any the super, well, what was the chest. early renditions of you know Wolverine with the yellow spandex and whatever the hell he had in his head? Yeah, head. those really small ear things. Yeah, I I just, I, yeah, I never understood. Stick that to either. the orange and brown, Wolvie. Well, it's the bright, colorful. They got to. Yeah. Here to that, no, but no, so. it's 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 really good. Especially there's one episode where uh, I think it's that it's one of the very early ones, either the first or second, where there is a hallway fight mm. that's one long continuous take and is just so well done, so just so beautifully shot, mm-hmm. uh, so good. Nice. It, so it, good. It's reminiscent of Old Boy, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I remember you talking about that a while back. Mm-hmm. So I definitely need to check that out. One of the things I've grown to love is your. Uh, your unabashed hatred for shitty things on Netflix. <laughs> this, what's what's the most recent example of well, that? Well, Bright is the one I can't get oh, out of my head. Oh, Bright, that, that piece of crap. <laughs> it's I can tell it's, you know, they had Will Smith, so going going into it, I wanted to at least just have fun. And I definitely had fun because it was a, a movie that you love to hate because it was just <clears throat> them trying very hard to appeal not appeal, but appear as if they're trying to deal with racism and uh, discrimination in a very unique way using mm-hmm. fantasy elements. But then that just raised further questions, you know, so suddenly is there an orc Jesus? Is there Elvish Moses? What's There's there's holes that are huge yeah. in this concept. It just doesn't work out that well. No, definitely. And they're not glory holes at all. No, they're not glory. Well, 
I don't know what an orcish glory hole is in this universe. I mean, there's so probably many. Probably terrifying. There's many things it's to gigantic. consider. gigantic. In the. It could be huge. <laughs> just a giant scaly orc penis. <laughs> penis just flopping around there. Who knows? Well, this is also. like I love how we're following up probably the realest podcast I've ever done. The episode of Kenzie, right? Yeah, because as, of Kenzie as last I, night. I told him before we started this that I have been listening. Uh, since it was relaun- relaunched or version 2.0 or whatever I love it is. It. You're one of my since 10 followers on Podbean. Make it I'm happen. Not, I'm not even on Podbean. I'm that incognito. I'm not even on that. I'm, nice. not, I'm out of the loop on that. But no, I was following it because uh, I you know, listened to the John Ashton episode. That was great. The James O'Hagan Murphy uh, episode was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I just started listening to the Kenzie episode and as we were talking before we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, the article that you went in depth about, which I'm looking forward to hearing more mm-hmm. of your thoughts on. Intimacy it. choreography mm-hmm. question mark. Absolutely, I thought was just such an important piece, and uh, you know, I've had I've had some some interactions of Kenzie. I just don't know her that very well, mm. uh, but just what she had to say and what she had to share was just so well said and so eloquently done, and it's something that I think that needs to be read by everybody, not just anybody here in Denver, but every theater professional. That'd be great. Especially people in the education realm. Absolutely. Because the the way that the culture is shifting nowadays as far as where it's heading for being all about safety and comfort and consent mm. and making sure that everyone's in a good headspace for something is so important and long overdue and uh, was just fascinating to read. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that conversation. I'm sure yeah. it was just fantastic. It, it's, it was really cool to sit down and... And have a real conversation about mm-hmm. something that has been so pertinent. Um, it's it, it's been on everyone's mind, and rightfully as it should be. One of the things I mentioned with her last mm-hmm. night was that it, it's great that we're having this conversation, but we should have been having it earlier. Oh, I agree. It shouldn't even <laughs> been like me and me, Kenzie, you and James, who, who talked about it mm-hmm. for a little bit with mm-hmm. me. Absolutely. I mean, and, and everyone else that's been kind of um exposed to this idea. Mm-hmm. We should have been having this conversation decades ago before we even got into the game. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'm glad that it's out there. And I'm really, really appreciative that Len at Miners has been so, at least not understanding of that particular aspect of mm-hmm. blocking a scene, being open to people's comfort levels and their exactly. safety. And I know there are more directors out there, but for the example examples provided by Kenzie's article, mm-hmm. he was our guy, mm-hmm. and it's good to know that I mean those people are out there. It's we all got to be vigilant, especially us as men. We can't. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's you know, there's a wonderful campaign out there uh, that's from Joe Biden where he talks about sexual assault on college campuses and beyond, mm-hmm. and it's called "It's on Us." Mm-hmm. And that's been a cornerstone of one of his, uh, of him as a politician trying to fight for equal rights and for proper prosecution. And he's just a, an angel when it comes to that. And you're right. It's a conversation we should have been happen- that should have been having, uh, you know, occurring a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's happening now. You can say better late than never. But, you know, still, it should have. This is something that having these conversations uh, with my wife mm. uh, about just the kind of crap that she's dealt with and that she's had to live with and that she's seen on so many rampant levels, not just in the theater, but also in, uh, she comes from the world of opera. She's a professional opera singer. Uh, coming from there, coming also from conventions and comic cons and everything else, just the amount of harassment and the crap that, frankly, us men get away with is ridiculous and we sickening. It's just absolutely sickening. Yeah. It's so. frustrating. Oh, that's incredibly, incredibly. We're going to shift gears because we spent a lot of time last night. And it's a very serious subject that needs a lot of open discussion. But I know Luke is is on the right side for 
for a that's a pretty apt metaphor here. Thank you. We're gonna move on to Luke. Yes. The reason why the ghost light exists. Mm-hmm. We want to know why actors and other artists got into the game. Mm-hmm. What happened to you? Uh, it's the one question you mentioned, and it's been thinking about the proper way to te- the t- proper way to tell it, and really. It's funny, we talk about how, you know, being open and being on the right side and also being about, uh, you know, oh, we as men need to do this, which I think is just a little funny because my story comes from a very machismo point of view. Not point of view, but just a machismo background. I got into acting because I wanted A's and it was an easy A in high Mm -hmm. school and college. I didn't have to apply myself at all. Mm -hmm. And then I bumped into a professor, Scott Lubinsky, Mm -hmm. who was like... Why are you even on this journey? Mm-hmm. If you don't know why you're on this journey, get out because there's twenty thousand people behind who you want who, want, it. who want a piece, who don't just want to do it for an easy credit. Exactly, and 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 once he presented that to me, it changed the way I went to college. It changed mm-hmm. the way I got out of that school and graduated. Mm-hmm. And it was always one of those voices that echoed in the back of my mind when I was twenty-seven years old and getting work every month, mm-hmm. but not affect, like, but not. But not getting positive reviews and right. not being remembered for a moment. Mm-hmm. So I mean, no, they, sorry. No, that's it? fine. It lingers with you and the, the mentors, the great mentors that you have. You know, shout out to Nelson Conway, Tracy Schwartz, uh, Paul Edwards, Mike Brooks, and Terry Stanley, uh, and Karen Wadley at uh, Conifer High School and Western State College, respectively. Uh, my alma mater. But how I got into it, and also the man who's responsible for this story of me getting into it. Mm-hmm. It was in middle school, and middle school was just rough for everybody. I don't care who you are. It was just just awfully, whatever, conflict. It was just conflicting. Puberty, all yeah. sorts of crap, uh, you know, hormones, uh, teenage angst, and all sorts of other crap. And, Taxes. Uh, and, and growing up, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And growing up, which was tough for everybody. So for me, uh, <clears throat> this was going into my uh, eighth grade year. And I wanted to do something different. And sports was never really a big thing for me, uh, you know, growing up as far as participating and I'm watching him, different story. And I was looking for something. I auditioned for a school play that happened to be The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And reading the uh, character descriptions, there was one, I, for the life of me, cannot remember his character name now, but he was the evil queen's uh, minion. And he got to have a sword fight with somebody. Mm. And I wanted to play the bad guy because I wanted to have that sword fight, man. I wanted to have that sword <laughs> fight. I wanted to be I wanted to be the bad guy, swooping in and doing all that. But then I did not get that role, obviously. Mm. Well, not obviously. I didn't get the, the part. Mm-hmm. Uh, that part that I wanted, instead, I was Aslan the Lion. So I was, you know, the, in the title, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I was the lion. So great. Completely unexpected, a much bigger part. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but Jim Miller, the teacher who uh, I, unfortunately, I've lost contact with, but he uh, nurtured something in me that I never really knew I had as far as keeping the active imagination that I had as a kid growing up, being uh, you know a little lonely, a little bit of a uh, homebody where I didn't really go out much. I didn't really have that many friends uh, that were that close by or that I can consider to be, you know, very close friends for mm. the most part. So I had a lot of friends inside my head and I had a lot of uh, imagination. He really fostered that and say, and was instrumental as far as taking, all right, let's take those imagination, uh, those imaginary characters and those imaginary stories that you got in your head. 
let's find a voice for them and let's put them on stage. Mm. And that's what he did. And ever since then, it's just been you know, auditioning for stuff in high school that became my major in college. And for the past believe, 12 years here in Denver, uh, it's been <clears throat> working. It's been wonderful. So nice. him giving me that voice and that place to find out that I was not a outcast or I was not a weird kid. I just was not looking in the right place to express myself or mm. to find some place where I felt like I could uh, belong and fit in. How has that, has that changed at all since you've been doing this for 12 years here? Change as far as... Uh, like, as is it... What, I mean, the, the voices, are you more comfortable with who you are in that? How, how has it grown? Oh, absolutely. Has your love of it changed? Oh, absolutely. The, the love of it's changed in the sense that it's now, as opposed to just being uh, on stage, it's now more opportunities where I've been able to be uh, behind the scenes, actually yeah. in the audience as a director, or I've been able to be in the booth as a designer or uh, in other realms, mm -hmm. being able to express myself and being able to take that other voice that may not fit, say, on stage or may yeah. not fit, uh, you know, giving people notes about a character, but maybe it fits in finding a sound cue or finding a piece that's going to elicit a moment or maybe it's going to be uh, with something else entirely. Mm -hmm. So it's been finding the different voices and then finding the places for them to go and exist. So the love is absolutely still there. And now it's interacting with the voices much more mm -hmm. and letting them talk. Not impressing them, nice. which is which is fantastic. How do you feel? <clears throat> what is the biggest difference between Excuse you me. as an actor mm -hmm. and you as a director, and then even as a sound like even as a sound guy? What are the what are the mm -hmm. biggest takeaways that separate the three? Um, biggest takeaway is for an actor, I would say, is you're there. You're serving the character. Mm -hmm. You're there serving what is written for you as the character as far as who they are in this story. What part do they have to play in the story? Even someone who may just be a walk-on role for two or three lines, they have a specific role to play in the story. It's not, you know, the, the, the writer just trying to be funny, throwing in a joke, like, let's just have this person come in. Mm -hmm. No, there's a purpose for that character. There's a purpose for that uh, person being there. So finding, as an actor, how to serve that script and how to serve that relationship that they have of other characters. Whereas as the director, you have to serve everything. Mm -hmm. Not just the that one character, but every character in the show. Mm -hmm. Everybody who's trying to tell their part of their story, whether that's the actors on stage or working with other technicians and designers as far as how does the lighting fit into the world of the show that we're developing? Mm -hmm. How does the sound fit? How does the costume how do the costumes fit? How do how do the props fit? Because every little piece can tell a part of the story mm -hmm. as far as the location we're in, the time period we're in, uh, people's economic status, their, uh, how they're doing in life, if they're flourishing, if they're uh, drowning, if they're just doing okay or squeaking by. You have to have the knowledge and the wherewithal and the uh, patience as a director, the patience, stress that a lot, the patience, mm. uh, just because you have to have quite a bit of patience but also you have to have all the answers as well mm. as far as knowing what is going to best serve the show so that's what you do as an as a director it's what's going to serve the entire show mm -hmm. as a designer that's one can go that can go in a lot of different directions i think take me for <laughs> as a sound designer for me it's in a way i want to say i'm serving the audience in that you know, kind of taking it from the very basic level of a sound designer, if I'm going to pick a piece of music that's going to take us out of a scene to a transition to another scene, 
what do I want that piece of music to evoke for the audience when they're listening? Well, if you got to sneeze, that's fine, man. I, I took it. I swallowed that one. It hurt. I definitely blew a blood <laughs> I saw the pain in your face. Yeah. <laughs> that's all good. It's all good. You can sneeze. Organic Gorilla. Again, you can, you sneeze. Hey, if I don't fart on stage, I do not sneeze when I record a podcast. Fair enough, Fair enough man. What Fair were enough. you saying, sir? It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, you get a you get a sound cue to evoke a certain piece of mood or a certain uh, tone that you want to you want to tell. And to me, that's almost it is serving the story. Yes, where I do want to pick something that's going to serve the story and serve what uh, the actors are working on stage, but also serving the audience as far as helping elicit a specific tone or a specific mm-hmm. mood. I want to pick something that's going to not take them directly out of the out of the uh, you know the story or the timeline or wherever they're at. So picking something that's going to just kind of fit right in the the right moment or the right mood mm-hmm. with that. So in a way, you're serving the you're serving a little bit of everything in mm-hmm. that where you're serving the audience but also serving the script. You're serving, of course, the director's vision as far as what they want to tell with the story. But then also I think you're serving the actors as well too, absolutely, because uh, it's <clears throat> funny when you're uh, listening to the James episode, uh, him talking about RFK mm-hmm. and you know one-man show, which he was... There's a reason why that show is being brought back for, what, the 40th revival yeah. coming up soon or something. Or at least they're talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, he embodied that character so much, and this is one thing that's going off on a little bit more of a tangent. As a designer, there's a couple things that I always try to do with every single show, and uh, it's things that I try to put in there that's going to, I don't know, I don't know what the best way to describe this is, but let me just tell the story, and maybe this will help with that. But it's the uh, RFK, we know how the story is going to end with Mm -hmm. Robert Kennedy, unfortunately. How it gets there is part of just a wonderful script, but also in large part because of a fantastic performance by James in that uh, at the very end of the show, he's talking about being in that hotel at in California on mm-hmm. the California primary on the day he was shot. And he talks about there's a specific moment. I'm getting chills now just thinking about it because I, I remember that this moment for as long as I live. Uh... And this also plays into a little bit of Terry Dodd, who was the director of that show, you know, which, may he rest in peace. That's right. Um, He, you know, he brought me, yeah, cheers to Terry. This one's for you, man. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the ending of the show, and it was a moment right before Robert Kennedy's about to get shot. And the script called for uh, a gunshot. Just a single gunshot after the line, I'll never forget it, which was, I shook a busboy's hand. Because as the story goes, and I forget the name, but uh, as Robert Kennedy, he did shake a busboy's hand as he was making his way from one area of the hotel to another. And then that's when his assassin came up and did shoot him right in the chest, point blank. Mm -hmm. So there was not just one gunshot, it was three gunshots. And it was bang, bang, bang. Then a pause... And then I for, I want to say, I don't believe this was added in the script. I put it in there. I was able to find through a news archive website an MP3 of a live news correspondence of a reporter who was there wow. maybe 10 feet away from Kennedy. Wow. And he was just giving a play-by-play of what was happening as far as <clears throat> uh, there's been a shot, there's been a gunshot, uh, Senator Kennedy is down, oh my God, oh my God. 
Then you hear him yelling, get the gun, get the gun, please get the gun. We don't want another Oswald. We want this man to answer for his crime. And oh, really chills now. I'm sorry. Oh, well. uh, but that moment, I'll never forget the look on James' face, which I know he had been playing. I've seen him in rehearsals where he was just reacting to that moment as if Kennedy, at least my interpretation of him having an out-of-body experience, seeing this happen, he couldn't stop fate. He just went with it because he knew his legacy would carry him further. But then also the look that Terry gave where he uh, just got real still and I just see him nodding his head very slowly, kind of just a very small nod of approval. And then him coming up to me after that first rehearsal where we played the sound cues and just saying, hey, kid, let's keep that. That was great. Awesome. And I could tell he was a bit choked up because as he often joked during that show, uh, he was an aging hippie who grew up during the time when Kennedy was alive mm -hmm. and... Who knows what could have happened had he not been assassinated. And so the story obviously had a very personal effect for him. So, you know, I don't know what he was reliving during that moment or what he was seeing, but, you know, it was obvious that it struck him in a way that he was affected by that. And mm -hmm. if that's something that me as a designer, if I can, you know, help do that or help just bring that extra enhancement to that show, then I know at least I've done my job right. I don't, know if that answer, I don't know if that answers your question No, dude, it totally does. It totally <laughs> does. I mean, because like, so much, like, I've, I've, my entire career has been, been, been mapped by acting. Mm -hmm. I ASM'd one show. I, I, I was on you with that show. I ASM'd your Moonlight Magnolia, so two shows. So two shows, you both of which you I AD'd me. that mm -hmm. one, and then mm -hmm. I directed Any Given Monday, which mm -hmm. you were my AD on for that. that one. You were my sound guy for that. I remember that. And, as an, but to end, but to keep go, keep going, mm -hmm. I've primarily been an actor, right? And so I've been at the mercy and at the just the added oomph from mm -hmm. good sound people, good good stage managers, so the and, and, and light lighting people. Mm -hmm. it, it's I love how sometimes we get in as us actors, we feel like I feel I can do any show. Mm -hmm. You can cast me in any fucking part. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the best effort that I've got. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there are certain lighting, sound people that can, do, can, can give you a great show mm -hmm. no matter what the show it is. And it's, but it, but the, the bottom line is, is you need people that have an understanding of how important sound is, mm -hmm. how important music is, uh, how important lighting shifts are. All of that stuff in the background that... We as actors really don't get a taste of it until like two days before we open. Three right. days. If mm -hmm. we're lucky, we get a whole week with it. Right. And, and and then, but we never really get to sit back and, and, and watch it unfold. Appreciate it. Because we're, exactly. we're in it. We're under it. And mm -hmm. um, it there's no denying. I've been, and I'll, just a sidebar. I've been sure. watching some of these Zachary Andrews videos on, mm -hmm. on Facebook. They're they're amazing seeing those bits and pieces those how those transitions yeah. yeah i you know i love the 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 not not well sense and sensibility one is great too but yeah. also the one to all my sons how yeah. that comes up it's just that was wonderful it, it's 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 so cool how we are we are i would say i am a predominantly speaking artist mm -hmm. you have your hands in a lot of different pies but experiencing theater is not just something you hear. It's not something you see. It's not something you feel. It's all of those five senses. Oh, great! And and it's 
it's important. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody who's lagging, and I'm and I'm talking way too much, but if you're if you're it's lagging on, sure, on one end of those mm-hmm. those aspects, it, 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 it comes back and it bites you in the ass. Oh absolutely. Every critic was looking for one weak link absolutely. To, to go in on and mm-hmm. they will. And and I'm so thankful that I had you for any given Monday because for a lot of reasons. You were you were a director that was respected in town. You were a sound guy that was already award nominated by that point in time, and okay. you you always had my back on it. And the the audience loved that show because we got good performances, mm-hmm. but they loved it because there wasn't a weak moment. No, that's I absolutely true. I had you true. and Susan in my corner on that one. So well, thank and you. The thing about that show, with that being your first, you know, that being your first show, that I always remember is, uh, yeah. And I don't mean this as a belittlement. What I'm about to no. say, I hope you do not do take it. It, it was. You were green, but yeah. you had so much enthusiasm and yeah. you had so much passion about it, which is great. And that's what you need uh, in a young director, and that's what you need in someone who wants to tell a story, who wants to get something across. Mm-hmm. You know, it, working as briefly as I, repressing a burp. Sorry. No, it's good. Uh, let it happen, man. If I can see, let the next burp. one happen. All right. Then. Uh, but you know, I'm working with uh, in the show I'm working on right now we have a younger person in the cast who uh, is a student at Metro State College okay. and he's in the middle of a... Roadrunners? Road, Roadrunners? Whoop whoop! Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, so I, this young pup. This young pup. This, and he's definitely he's not the youngest person in this cast. Oh, oh boy. Uh <laughs> It's it's interesting because I remember there was a time. Well, I'm sure you can relate to this too because you're not that much younger than I am. No. Uh, where you know when we were first starting off, I was thinking back when we when I was coming to record this is like we Romeo and Juliet was ten years ago, almost ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was long, 2007. 2009. 2009. So it was almost wow. ten years. Ago. Like that was that was a long fucking time long ago. Time ago. I had and, no gray in my long hair. No, you did not. No, and I was about maybe you know ten pounds light, ten or fifteen pounds lighter, and I didn't have any gray eyes. So was I. I. I know. I was about ten or fifteen pounds. It just lighter. Had, just the way it goes, man. Yeah, you know, uh, drama. Every success, you got to eat. Every failure, you got to eat. Yeah, got to eat or you got to drink. Either one. And uh, I do both. That's so why you can say that's okay. Uh, so I was saying this, uh, you know, I there, you know, this is going a side tangent to a tangent yeah. to a tangent. But anyway, I, hey, it's like Inception. I ex- <laughs> we have to go deeper. <laughs> we do. We do. The top falls over, people. It uh, it does. The top does fall over. Also, his totem is his wedding ring. It's not the top. Oh. Christopher Nolan dropping dimes on oh, you. Oh, absolutely. The man directed Dunkirk. He can do it. I he still can... haven't seen Dunkirk, but I, I want to. No but spoilers. No spoil. Well, Dunkirk, they, they escape from the beaches, and Britain, Great Britain wins the war. Spoiler for Dunkirk. What? what? So, oh, that's how yeah, World War II yeah, ends. Yeah, yeah, that's how World War spo- Yeah, big spoiler alert. So keep going. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> what was I? Okay, but this, yeah, this young... I'm, 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 direct, I'm uh, in a show right now, mm-hmm. and there are a bunch... There's a couple of young guys... One who is a student at Metro. He's in college. I think he's 22, 23. Nice guy. He's talking about he's in a directing class. And he was talking about how, uh, you know, there's some who are doing it just part of their major. They don't want to, you know, really, they're just doing it because it's part of their theater major. But then he was also talking at one point, too, uh, how there was a few people who just wanted to have the power trip, the one to be in charge and say, oh, I'm right. It's because I'm the director. Mm. That's not why you want to be a director. That's not why... You want to do it because you want to tell a story. You want to do it because you're passionate about something. If you wanted to just be the person who's in charge and everyone has to listen to, there's other less stressful, less time-consuming ways you can do that. Yeah. Uh, but 
he's he's a young one, but then also thinking about that because I remember you know t- ten years it may not seem like it's that long ago, but it can that's a good chunk of change back. Yeah. But being the, you know because we were both you know still fresh out of college, still you know the young bucks like oh we're young we're we can take whatever. Now we're at that point where we're we're both going to be the bitter old fucks on the porch going oh, totally. look at these damn kids coming yeah. in here. So. <laughs> I don't know. I never thought I was going to be one of those. Like, I still think of myself as a young kid. I do two at times. I do two at times. And I tell myself all the time, I was like, you still got so much work to do. You mm-hmm. still got so much work to do. Mm-hmm. And and now, there's a, but every once in a while, I'll be in a, I'll be in a rehearsal process. I'm like, I'm going to do all of this shit. Yeah. yeah. I, this week, especially because it's been, it's, it's been, uh, <laughs> To the Pace Center and To the Pace Center and Parker, which it's a great venue. It's a great organization. I'm so glad Uh, the Henrys hold their spots there because it's beautiful there. Oh, yeah, it's a great space. If you could make the drive shorter and cheapen (laughs) the drinks, I would really appreciate it, Henrys. So I I agree on that. I agree on that. But it's, you know, but then also that, but then also my work schedule of my Joe job, you know, I get up at six o'clock. Well, not up. I get up around quarter to five. Yeah, time me off. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Keep talking. Uh, but I, you know, I get up quarter to five every morning to get to work because my, I start at six o'clock. That's when my day starts. So it's just, it makes for long nights. Uh, and there's one, the one kid, the one kid, and I say kid, and I mean this is, I, you know, Tommy, I mean this as an, an all love to you. respect your elders, Tommy. <laughs> but. <laughs> We're old. But he, you know, he's young, he's 19, he's a go-getter. He's like, oh, God, you can't even buy booze or run a car yet, man. Come on. <laughs> but I remember being that young, too, where it's just like, oh, I can't get this. Like, no, God, we're the better old people now. We can do yeah. it. We're, we're, I'm two years away from running president next. No, I'll be able to run for president next month. Yeah. But you have to be 35. I, don't trust me. I'm looking at September 1st real hard. I'm like, hmm. Maybe I throw my hat in the ring because we got to do something about oh, this. Oh God, shit. God! With this current event, why? God, why not? Any any level of government. All right, well, let's stop the inception. Go back it, to your story. Yeah, I don't even remember what it was now. At this point, uh, we're, we're we're bad mouthing Tommy because he's young and beautiful. And I, I Tommy, I, I love you. I love you. You're you're a good kid. You're a sweet kid. Beautiful kid. Uh, you're you're so funny. Hey, but, but you're but you're a young buck. Hey, know, you know, you'll be the first to admit you're young. Luke. Was it? Yes, Luke. Dave. Dave. Luke. David. Dave. So what's the show you're doing out of the Pace Center? Well, at the Pace Center at the Welshley Arms. My back? My, is it your back? It's my back. <laughs> yes, it's my back. Ah. Get off me. <laughs> um, so the show, uh, the show that I'm doing at the Pace Center. You're drug. Uh, I'm a little tipsy. Uh, but I'm actually excited about this quite a bit because it's the... Uh, First time that the Pace Center and Inspire Creative are working in a new space. It's called the Schoolhouse, nice. which is just right off of Pikes Peak Drive uh, next to the Pace Center. And it's a renovated schoolhouse slash events uh, performing space, which I... Have you been there? I've, I've had to park there for the Henry Awards. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's, a great, it's a great space. There's yeah. a like 175-seat theater that's got complete renovation. It's brand awesome. new. It's great. Uh, the show we're doing is Laughter on the 23rd Floor by Neil Simon. It's all about Neil Simon and his uh, early days as a uh, television writer for Sid Caesar and uh, your show of shows, mm. where he wrote with uh, you know Sid Caesar, great wonderful comedian in the early days of television, uh, you know kind of in the same vein of like your Stephen Colbert or your Steve Martin, where he's just a great hysterical comedian, uh, and his writing staff had people such as of course Neil Simon, but Woody Allen, uh, Carl Reiner, Mel Tolkien, Larry Gelbart. 
and uh, Selma Diamond, all these great giants of contemporary television and who are responsible for so much of our popular culture, mm -hmm. they got their start on this TV show. So it's about Neil Simon in his early days on the show uh, and doing television in the, in the early 50s during the Red Scare mm -hmm. with McCarthy. Uh, it's a great cast, fantastic cast. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of... Not a, well, not a lot of new people. I would say it's new. It, they're not necessarily new. There's people I have not worked with before. Yeah. We got uh, Tommy. We got Tommy, uh, who's playing the uh, Neil Simon character, the autobiographical character. Awesome. Uh, then Big we ups also Tommy. have what was that? Big ups. Big, Big ups, ups to Tommy. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, but then we also have uh, I know a man you worked with playing as Mr. President, Mr. Kevin Hart's in it. Oh, I love Kevin yeah. Hart, my Ke man. Well, Kevin's great. Heck Kevin's yes. fun. Uh, he's playing the Sid Caesar part, and the line between Sid Caesar and Kevin is blurry at best. <laughs> I mean that. Uh, I mean that with incredible affection. I hope you want to say that. And I want to also apologize. I don't know where I got this in my head, uh, but his name is not Tommy. I feel terrible. <gasps> it's Joey. 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 I'm sorry. I don't know where I got Tommy. This I shot's feel terrible. For you, this shot's for this shot because you're too young to have this. This is what I'm drinking for you. This is unfair. I'm so sorry, Joey. I am so sorry. I knew sorry. it was Joey the entire time. <laughs> God, I feel like an ah, I feel like an ass. Don't worry about it. He might, a, he might not even follow us. He right might. Now. Well, he should. I'm plugging the damn show. He should. Mm-hmm. Oh, that goes down so smooth. It does, doesn't it, Jameson? So baby. smooth. I love it. Love it. Uh, who? Else? Kevin. Yeah, Kevin's in it. Kevin Hart. Uh, Kelly Lowane Dwyer. Uh, we love Who's her. If we adore we love her. her. She is great. Uh, I have not been on stage with her since three A. So this is great. By the way. Remount 3A. If we can find a place to do it, let's do it. Yes, we can. It's called Spotlight. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I got people I got to answer to. I want, we'll I want you to start talking to the people you got to answer to. Remount 3A. Hashtag Remount 3A. <laughs> who else is in this show? We got Marcus Turner, who uh, I've known him for a long time now. He is just a very sweet man, very wonderful, wonderful actor, great timing. Uh, a lot of new people as well, like I said, new people that I've just not worked with. Uh, the young kid that I was talking about, the student who's over at uh, Metro, his name's Chisholm. He's very funny. He's very great. Uh, James actually talked about his female co-star, the only female co-star in, uh, I was about to say James the Giant Peach, but that was way off. No, Peter, Peter the, the Starcatcher. Star yes. Drinks well, you owe me a Coke. Apparently. Uh, geez, I owe you and my wife a Coke now because I said, uh -huh. uh, I just need to go to Costco on the way out and on the way home. Uh, but Morgan is in the show. Okay, yeah. And uh, she's great as well. She's just so, like, adorable and sweet and just so, so goddamn funny, too. Nice. Uh, then also, the other new person who's apparently brand new to Denver, uh, his name's Douglas. He's playing Val. And he uh, has a real great sense of comedic timing. And then playing the <laughs> the Mel Brooks character uh, is a you know, Mr. named uh, Jerry Chavez, which nice. is, it's a great crew. Nice. Uh, directed by Michael Duran. Not the Boulders Dinner Theater Michael Duran, but the other Michael Duran. Okay. Uh, he's, he's great. He's been delightful to work with. And it's just, it's been fun to, you know, coming from the realm as a director or also where you help run a theater company, it's been actually nice Coming to a show and not having to worry about costumes, not having to worry about the set or lights. Just, no, I'm here to be an actor. I'm here to do a character, be a part of the ensemble, and that's it. Nice. I love that part. There, I bet you do. It's, uh, when, you're, when you're running the show, even if mm -hmm. it's just like, when I, I can go back to being the director for any given Monday, uh -huh. there are a lot of hats you got to wear, if oh, only absolutely. temporarily. And, you gotta, and you're absolutely right. you gotta take, you got to check in with every department, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And be as respectful as possible, not try to be as 
the only thing I demand is that we put in ordinary people. I remember that. That was bow music. Yeah, we needed. I needed. I wanted Absolutely. really good bow music, and I wanted ordinary people. Mainly because I love John Legend and Absolutely. I love ordinary How people. How could you not? Yeah. But outside of that, I think I only fought for one other thing. But we won't go into that. And I'm trying to remember what this is. Oh, my casting choices. Oh, I remember that. Hey, but it was a fight worth fighting. Yeah, we because got it. it paid off. It paid off. It paid off in well. the end. No, it was a fight. You know, you fight that fight because it paid off. Absolutely. Very, but very well. as we were going to. Yes. As a director, even if you're not a producer, and there's some people out there who have to direct and produce and run the theater. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, big ups to those people. But it's Absolutely. it's a lot to carry. And we as actors, we don't have a light load. Not not at all. No. But it, it, it definitely can be one of those things where it's always nice to at 10.30 we can turn it off and go to bed. Absolutely. Or watch a Netflix series mm-hmm. um, and chill with ourselves, mm-hmm. which is what I do. That's, you know, for me, it's, you know, come home, I'll have a quick nightcap, I, you know, mm-hmm. take the dogs out for a walk, and then turn off some, you know, turn something off on just to calm the brain down and just to get out of the, the character's head or just get Definitely. out of the barking dogs of that. Whereas as a director, you can do that, but, you know, as you, as you saw, you know, you're there early before mm-hmm. the cast. You're there early, sometimes even before the stage manager, just to make sure, okay, how can we find what we're looking for in this moment or how can we do this how can we do that Uh, and then you're the last person usually to leave outside the stage manager which props to all the great stage managers that are out there uh, because you need to be the person that has all of the answers and the thing that I've learned myself that I'm still applying and still working as a director is that it's okay to say I don't know it's okay if someone if a designer's asking you or if a actor's asking you something and maybe it's a question you haven't thought of, or maybe it's one that you just haven't decided on where you want to go. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say, you know what, I don't know, but let's get back to that. Let's circle around and let's uh, get back to that tomorrow, and I will have an answer for you. Right. As far as, say, motivation or chance, it also then opens it up to be a collaborative uh, opportunity with the other uh, performers to see what exactly their thoughts are on that something. I'm really glad you brought that up because earlier in the podcast you had mentioned that a director has to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And then you were talking about this uh, current situation where somebody's thinking that they, they have to be right mm-hmm. as the director. How how have you encountered the the bane of, I think, all creation that is this idea of being right? How have you dealt with it in theater? <sighs> Because there's some of us who mm. think we can get a show absolutely perfect or a moment absolutely perfect. I want to know, do you feel that that's possible? Is that something that you strive for in one of your many roles? I think that as, and this is one thing that uh, one of the many lessons I've learned from a very dear friend and someone who we both have worked with and we both would consider a friend, I'd say, is that's Bertie Cardell. Yeah. Uh, he has beaten into me that there is no such thing as perfection because... If you try, because everybody's ideal of what perfection is is going to be different. Mm-hmm. What you think is perfect for a moment is going to be different from what I think, from what you know, ten other actors, ten other artists think is going to be perfect. So we can never achieve universal perfection. What we can achieve, though, is excellence. Mm. Because if we achieve our definition of excellence, that'll be good enough. That not just good enough, but that will excel for us. That will excel for someone else. If we achieve excellence in our role we can obtain that nearly 100% of the time. Mm. Whereas perfection, we can't achieve, we, we basically can't achieve. You can achieve that 0% of the time. Yeah. So it's achieving excellence in something as far as what do you want to hit with a specific moment, with a specific beat, with a specific 
uh, cue or volume level or, wh- level or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So trying to find that in any role that you're trying to do within theater as far as what people want or what, what you as a storyteller want to reach out and what you want to communicate in uh, a piece. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, you know, having put on my director's hat not too long ago for... Uh, the Neil Simon play Rumors that play that uh, closed uh, this past yeah yeah last month February at Spotlight. That's just a rollicking start to finish farce where mm-hmm. it's just nothing but nonstop laughs from start to end. The thing that I wanted to achieve in that show and what I wanted to do is, uh, and also it reflects in what Neil Simon wanted to do when he wrote the show is he was going through a divorce at the time he was just unhappy he wanted to work work was very cathartic for him. Uh, work is theater is very cathartic for me too in a lot of different ways but also so is laughter Mm. I wanted to just have fun I wanted to have a good group of people and have each one of them bring something unique and something funny to the role and something funny to the show and the 10 actors that I had were absolutely phenomenal and fantastic and so I wanted the audiences to just go in laugh and forget about the world around them for two hours and if that was my goal, if that was the actor's goal as well, then we achieved that 110%. Uh, it was just sold out left and right, and people just needed that laugh, needed that release. Mm. And so I think with the, it's less about being right, I would say, kind of going back to your original question, because we all, ultimately, the vast majority of us who are on this journey and who are storytellers and who want to make good art is we want to service the work we want to tell a good story we want to uh either educate enlighten or entertain people Mm -hmm. sometimes all three at once and so we want to not necessarily in sense i would say it's not about being right Mm -hmm. it's about what's going to best serve the material Mm -hmm. what's going to best serve the story overall how can we do that in a way that's going to honor what the director wants to tell what the actor wants to contribute and then also what the designers want to do to uh, enhance it, but also tell their own story through different subtleties as far as costumes, lights, or sound. Mm-hmm. And being right, it's. I mean, if you just want to be, if you want to always be right and be the person in charge, then again, you're in it for the wrong reasons. I think because mm-hmm. there's so much, there's so many other things. I, you know, again, going back to the just because it's the most recent one I've listened to, the James episode talking mm-hmm. about the cake. Mm-hmm. and how theater is a, baking a cake mm-hmm. you made that illusion which I can kind of I agree with that I'm going to challenge you and say it's a Bring little it bit on. because I'm going with the metaphor of making something and again with what we're drinking and because I'm getting into home brewing now is it's beer uh-huh. because what you have because going back to what the story that you had that the, not the story but what James was talking about as far as and what you were discussing yeah, as far locking as it in, locking it in basically you have the basic recipe so like you know because beer is essentially going to be what it's going to be malts it's going to be water it's going to be hops it's going to mm-hmm. be grains and then maybe some other additives depending upon what style you make yeah. you get those basic four uh, you know four or five elements in there you uh, make your wort which is unfermented beer you let it sit you add the yeast it ferments and those are the basic core components of it. Mm-hmm. What's going to then happen and then what's going to then be added is going to be the other outside elements. And in, in terms of, say, making beer, even the case making alcohol, like if you're making bourbon or wine or cider, uh, light's going to affect it. 
so is the temperature that's going to affect it, which can affect also what's going to affect theater. Mm. The audience is going to affect the show as yeah. far as what energy they bring, depending upon if it's a comedy or a drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actor's mood that present day, if they had a good day, is going to affect it. They'll still, you know, good actor is still going to serve the material and still do, you know, hit all the marks and hit all the beats as best they can. But what happens if maybe they had uh, an off day at work? Or what happens if maybe they uh, receive some bad news before they went on stage? Mm-hmm. Or what's going to happen as far as if they're having a really good day and maybe they're going to do something exciting after the show nice. or whatnot. You know, there's a sidebar story I can tell about that later. <laughs> uh, Make sure we but, keep it clean. Oh, I will. I'll, no, I'll keep it. Out. It's very clean. I promise. Okay. My, my, my then future in-laws, now future in-laws were involved. So yes. okay. uh, <laughs> it's the idea. So it's all of that. But also another, so it's those different elements that can affect it, where it can affect the flavor of it, where the core components may be the same, but the flavor may taste a little bit different. The other biggest component is time. Hmm. I know that the show that, uh, going back to rumors, the show that I directed opening night was not the exact same as it was closing. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that it got worse. I meant that it just organically evolved. Because the actors, now that they've had more time to run it, now that they've had more time to play with it, they were able to find different moments that we did not at all see in rehearsal that just kind of happen and spring out organically. Uh, that's going to affect things. Just like the flavor of a good beer, especially if it's barrel-aged or whatever, it's mm-hmm. going to affl- affect the flavor profile. Yeah. Are you talking about the smoothness? The, the smoothness, yeah. Yeah, great divide. Smoothness, great divide. Oh, yeah, yeah smoothness, yeah. great divide. Or there's an excellent, uh, you know, dry, uh, not dry taco. Uh, but dry taco? Dry taco. Not dry taco, no. That should be the name of your next fantasy football team. <laughs> the dry taco. No, I, rena- I renamed fan- my, my league uh, something else, and it did not do well for me for the first few games. I'm not doing did. that again. You did. So no Stick more. with Equestria. The, the Equestria Wonder Bolts is going to say the same, but Yabba-dabba-doola is, <laughs> I, think, I think, dead. I think yeah, dead, I think so. Yeah, he but, got cut. Oh yeah. Answer the but, question. But you know, time a time is going to affect everything, which is why the show that you have on opening night is going to be different from closing night, mm-hmm. which is why me as a director and I know other people too like to see the show opening night and then like to see it closing night to see how it's changed. What new moments have you found? What new energy? What new pacing? Yeah. And that's always going to affect it. Where the core components, your still things, you know, your yeast, your hops, your grains, your water, that's going to be the same, but time is going to have an effect on mm-hmm. it. And for the most part, the longer it's the longer it's there, and the more time you have, the more it's going to be. To to to, to flush out your your metaphor even mm-hmm. more, what do you talk? What are your core themes? Your grains, your malts. What are those? That's a good, that's a great question. Um, part of it can depend upon just like just like part of it can depend upon the type of beer you're making. Part of it can depend upon the type the type of show you're doing. But I think the one that goes between both uh, a drama as well as also a comedy is honesty. Mm-hmm. Always honesty. Even if you're doing a rollicking, uh, you know, door slamming farce, keeping it honest, keeping it real. The same thing too for drama. Not going to hit those melodramatic notes. Keeping it so it's going to be the same uh, honesty that you would in a comedy. But also, uh, I think playing off with that. And I think this can also affect uh, as well as uh, this can affect a com- this affects more of a comedy than it does a drama, but timing, mm-hmm. pacing, but pacing can be universal in any show. You want to really keep th- you want to keep things moving. Just because uh, I'm trying to think of a mo- of a most recent example, there what I I remember it cleanly uh, Vintage's production of August Osage County. Mm. 
uh, just because that's the most recent example I can think of, that's a three and a half hour long show. Yeah. It did not feel like it. No matter how many times I saw it, no matter how many times I was in the audience watching it as a designer, but then also on opening night as a patron and then later on as a patron as well, it it never felt like that because the pacing was kept tight, the energy was kept tight, which that's another ingredient I'd say. And so people were able to still hit their marks. They were still able to... uh, you know, it's a powerhouse cast in that. My God. I mean, Mark Stith and Haley and Deb Persoff and Andrew and Kelly and Lauren Ballman. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, Caitlin Weinstein. Yeah. And yeah, just yeah, every great group. Just from start to finish, great group. John Ashton, Darcy Kennedy, just everybody. If I'm leaving anybody out, it's something personal. You just send your tweets cast. to him. <laughs> Luke Allen, at Luke Allen Terry. Yeah. And Allen with an E. Um, two L's. Yeah. There's no Ramsdorf in the tweet handle. And the tweet handle, no. No, they, they, there's a character limit. Yeah. Uh, but you know that. But that show it was three acts, two intermissions. It never felt like it was a three and a half hour show, and that's because they kept the pacing, they kept the energy, they still hit those moments, they still hit all of the right marks for it being as emotionally shattering as it was. Mm-hmm. But they kept all that. So definitely, pacing and energy are two two big things: pacing, energy, honesty. And then if I had to think of you know the yeast which activates the fermentate, which activates the fermentation, which gets everything boiling, uh, it's having that audience. Yeah, and that's you know mm. you can basically say that's an old doy. Well, it's the same thing as having be, having adding yeast to beer or adding uh, whatever to mm-hmm. a, to an, a grain alcohol. The audience is going to affect you, uh, and you can tell if they're into it, and you can tell if they're invested in it, and that's just a mark of a good show. So having that audience, it's that you know, set that, that last element to put it all together, mm. and the audience is they're there to see a show, they're there to be entertained, to be enlightened or educated whichever and they're there to see whatever show that you're going to present to them so having that extra element that can not saying that it can enhance your performance Mm -hmm. to some actors it certainly can you should be able to you know i think you should be able to go on and be just as you would if it's an empty house versus a full house but there's something about the energy of a full house something about the energy of a full house and not even a full house but a house that could be maybe a quarter of the way full but if they're on the edge of your seat and if they're listening, if they're into it, if they're talking, if they're murmuring, you know you're on. There's there's something about having a, a, a large group of people and you feeling that connection. Mm-hmm. I remember doing Guards at the Taj, which was my most recent show. And it's one of those shows where we know by scene two if we're going to keep them for the rest of the run. <laughs> we know the second uh-huh. we open up scene two if they're going to stick with us. Mm-hmm. And those nights where you could feel... 20 only the 20 people houses that we have i think we have like one show with 20 people mm. and then we had like 60s and then 80s mm. and then 90s when we were selling out great um but you could feel you could feel them connecting and, and mm. saying all right i'm gonna give myself to this mm-hmm. and and letting it become an experience that's why i believe the theater is one of those things that you it, you get you get in five ways mm-hmm. you, you you see it you hear it Depending on if you use smoke, you can taste it. Oh, absolutely! If you've ever, if you've ever seen blood, if you've ever kissed a cut on your own hand, oh, absolutely, you know what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. You can smell it, and and touching it, sitting there with the with the playbill in your hands, knowing you're about to see mm-hmm. a presentation of someone's aspect or thought on life. Oh, absolutely! And the the chair, mm-hmm. feeling that underneath you, holding you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's it, it it's it, it's it's an experience unlike any other as we 
go further and further into this new millennium? I think it's with the idea of you with it, when you said taste and also the, the two things that struck me with that with taste as well as also feel. It's not necessarily just feeling a physical object. It doesn't have to be anything tangible. Mm. Like you can feel when in whatever show you're at if it's going to be a tense moment. You can feel if it's going to be a very... Uh, like building up to something or building up to, uh, you know, whether it's tension or whether it's uh, anticipation, you can feel that. Yeah. And taste, you can taste the adrenaline rush too. Yeah. You can taste that adrenaline or that surge of endorphins when, you know, the girl and the guy finally kiss or when the bad guy finally die. You can taste that. Mm-hmm. And that's, you can, t- and there, you can certainly taste that much, you know, you get invested in movies, of course, sure, but there's nothing like seeing it on live on stage. Yeah. I think of, I think of the moment, this is what struck me when you're thinking about that as far as a perfect moment for all five of those, uh, you know, touch, taste, smell, and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, show we did together, Coronado. Yeah. The final moment, in the final scene, uh, going into uh, intermission, it's you and it was Kelly Uhlenhop, yeah. uh having that final tense moment where it's your child if it's a boy, mm-hmm. it's her child if it's a girl. Yeah. And the uh, the tension that was there because there's a taxi approaching. She's about ready to give birth. She's going into labor, yeah. and just the resignation on her face when she gives into this, knowing that she's going to lose her child. But then the intensity that you had that you won, you got what you want, you want, you got your objective. Don't uh, forget the sh- the shot and the beer I had to chug in that scene. Too. <laughs> I still blame Coronado for my drinking habits. <laughs> Hey, I bring, I blame it for that. I blame that's the first another shot, that, sir. Another <laughs> shot, sure. Why not? I, I think of that show because, uh, and and this is my assistant director uh, Meg Ralph, and I think everybody in that show will also think of this too. That opening night will always go down as one of my absolute favorites because at the very end of the show, after curtain call, mm-hmm. the lights came up on the house for about a good maybe half a minute minute. It was just complete silence. Yes, nobody got up. Nobody moved, mm-hmm. and it was just a stillness in a theater that I have not uh, felt before, or I think since then. Yeah. At that moment, uh, and then Helen Hand, president of the theater board, just got up very politely. You can move. You can leave. Mm-hmm. You know, which is good, giving us that tension release. That release is like, oh, okay, we can yeah, breathe. We can do this now. Uh, but I'll think of that, and that's not me tooting my horn as a director. That's me uh, just saying the. All the elements finally getting there, all the elements when they yeah. got there. You know what I'm talking about yeah. without naming names. Uh, once they all got there, it gelled in a way that was just so potent. Well, you're chuckling now. What do you. Because <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean by five. When all the elements got there without naming names. When all the when all the elements finally got there, exactly. Without getting into too much in that. But hey, I'm not worried about getting fired. Shout outs to Allison Collette. Oh fuck yeah. Shout out to that. I'm not worried about getting fired. I just didn't want to bash anybody. No, it's okay. I'll do it for this one. But I'm not bashing. No, we're involved. not we're not bashing. We're Allison. not bashing anyone. Especially Allison, because my God, she no, came in. She I, crushed it. And we're she, thankful for and that. And a shout out to her too. And I tell her this every time I see her because I cannot thank her enough, but but she came in, she nailed it the first mm-hmm. time she did it. She didn't even have a script in her damn hand after nope. getting that only 36 hours beforehand. She did the very first scene, and then the entire cast in the wings burst into applause yeah. after that scene ended. Because it, you talk about that tension relief. Yeah. It was just that, oh, yeah. okay, we're good. We have a show. We're solid. Hashtag we got a show. That's my Hashtag favorite, we got a show. Favorite. 
I love it when the director says that. We got a show. We got a like show. The second you hear that, you can like, ah, we can breathe. Mm-hmm. Now, it may not be the final product, but it's that we're in the right exactly. direction. Oh, yeah. You, feel it, you know you're in the right direction heading in that time. We've, we, we've crossed the 60-minute mark. So, Luke, I want to talk to you. Oh, I want sure. you to tell Is me. That, it, what happens at the 60-minute mark? Is it the lightning round or something? No, 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 no. Not the lightning <laughs> round. You, you can take your time. Okay. Um, what is, aside from that moment with Coronado... Mm-hmm. And aside from what you were describing, I think you were no, it could even be that. I want to I want a so- solo, aside from that Coronado moment, mm-hmm. what has one of been your favorite moments as either a director, art, actor, sound guy? What stands out to you the most? Uh, well, I mentioned the uh, the JFK story, which I'll always yeah. uh, not JFK, RFK, the Robert Kennedy story with that one sound cue. I'll always remember that just because that was just and the you know, the the, the opening night of that too, you know, there was just uh, an audible gas, the audible gas from the audience. I love that. Coronado was a great moment. Uh, also, <laughs> another show that I think of as well. That I think of as well. Uh, a couple of the shows that come to mind as far as a director, just great moments. Um, and this is going back to Moonlight Magnolias. Uh, you know, story about the writing of the screenplay. By the way, Kelly Hindenhop, don't touch my peanut. <laughs> More peanuts, Miss Popping you. Yeah. Uh, but I remember it was opening night. The show was going well. It was going great. But it was the first time we had an audience, and it got to the moment where uh, they're up to the the famous, you know, one of the most famous lines in this in the book and in the screenplay and in the movie where it's uh, he's saying, "My dear, I don't give a damn." No, say it again, "My dear, I don't give a damn." Say it again, "My dear, I don't give a damn." It needs something. It needs a handle. And, you know, they tabled that, they put that away, but then, uh, you know, ten minutes later, Rob Kramer, uh, talking about how he's going to gamble, he's going to take it all, playing this David Hill Selznick, where he says, I'm going to, you know, risk it all. If I win, I'll be the boy genius again. If not, well, at least I've done it. Frankly, I don't give a damn. And then there was a, <gasps> I, I'll never forget it, there was a an, like an audible, another audible gasp from the audience where they, re- oh, that's where they got the line for you can't, my... Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. That's not how it happened, of course. No, but you there can see blue hairs in the audience. Oh, to absolutely! Make it you ring can through. see the lights. You can see everyone's like, <gasps> there's just the gasp of that, and it is. I will always remember that because it was just such a fun moment, and at least that's the moment I knew that I nailed. Uh, you know what I'll remember about that show? What's that? Not having that moment because I was backstage. <laughs> you hey, son of a bitch! Hey, you say again, saving my ass, man. <laughs> saving my ass again. When it came together, we had a show. That's right. <laughs> Hmm. Mm. Um, this isn't necessarily one as an actor. It's one me as one as me as Luke, but yeah, it's just one of my favorite. It's just still one of my favorites, and I know I've told this one a, a billion times, and I'm sure everybody's probably but not to this audience, this. not to this audience. That's true. Not to the not to the not to the people who are listening. But uh, the summer of 2015, I did a show, The Foreigner. Uh, with spotlights, and I get to be on stage with Bernie Cardell. Which, Hashtag Froggy is uh, British. Keep going. Froggy is British. <laughs> you know, yes, we, don't is. Need, we don't need to hear my story about that. Keep going. <laughs> anyway, I've been, I'm wondering about that hashtag. But anyway, I'll tell you uh, later. Uh, it off was, the record. Uh, <laughs> hashtag off the record. Exactly. Uh, but he, uh, he's him. Bernie on stage is just such a uh, a force to be reckoned with. He's just has an impeccable sense of comedic timing. He knows all about how to. Uh, <laughs> I'm buttering up. Yes, he's one of my dearest friends, but he's also. It's true. You've been on stage with the man. Yes, you know I have, what it's like. I have, I have. But so being on stage with him was just an absolute treat that entire show. But 
Also, that show was very special because uh, my wife did costumes for it, my then uh, girlfriend. Mm. So what had happened is uh, her parents had come up to come see the show, and this is my first time meeting them. I'm asking her father for, uh, not permission, because she's her own woman, she can do what she damn well pleases, but asking for his blessing, because I'm going to ask her to marry me on stage the next day. He gives it... I just met him two hours beforehand, so I'm sweating fucking bullets. Then uh, that night, we had, you know, my family was there, her family was there, ton of other people were there. And so we get her on stage, and I get down on one knee, and I, you know, you know, Susan Lee Ramsdorf, will you marry me? She said yes, thankfully. So that show will be forever special for that. Yeah. But also, it was just so funny. Just such a funny show. Foreigners mm-hmm. is one of those great, great, great scripts. Absolutely great scripts. Definitely. And then it's not, this doesn't encompass any show. As a sound designer, this encompasses a lot of shows. <clears throat> but if there's a moment where, you know, say especially if you're doing, tra- one big thing is transitional music. Uh, especially if you're doing a big show. Uh, you know, you want to get, you don't, you don't want to have the blackouts between a scene just be silence. Because it's going to drive people fucking crazy. It drives me crazy as a designer, but especially as an audience, per, as an audience member, because I'm just wondering what the fuck's going to happen. Did someone someone slip? What happened? Mm-hmm. But then finding that right music, finding that right piece that's going to evoke a tone whenever you're working with a director and they go, yeah, 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 yeah. Or they hear it, then it's like, oh, I didn't even think about this. One specific I can give to that. I know I'm going off. We're going on. I'm sorry. but No, one, it's fine. Okay. One specific of that, and this is again going back to Coronado. Uh, you know, I also did sound. You know, I did sound design for that one too. And this is another moment. There's so basically that entire show I'll never forget. It's, yeah. just, it's just one of those ones that just seriously. If it's a moment that doesn't include me, I don't want to hear it though. <laughs> uh, well, well, then Keep we're talking. Then. No, but it, this is a moment. <laughs> this is at the end. Uh, but it's a moment. I remember going through it the first time because also one of the actors who uh, 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 one of the actors who was in the show helped me out and was mm. giving his opinion, uh, Jesse mm. Jesse Perlman. Who uh, and it was a I was you know here's what I'm thinking for this specific song and it was a very intense moment where uh, Paul Jake with the actor playing the character says goodbye to his lover for the last time because he's buried her uh, and he couldn't save her and now he then transitions to go to a bar where a waitress he doesn't know is now his mother yeah you know long long story getting there but. The music that was playing, it you can kind of hear it. You can kind of tell that what this song sounds familiar. What is it? What it was? It was a cover of the Scientist, the Coldplay song by Willie Nelson. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just remember that when it plays that familiar kind of guitar opening, and then you hear Willie Nelson just come up to meet you, mm-hmm. tell you, and just seeing Jesse, his eyes going big and go, and him saying, "Way to fucking go, Willie." Yeah. And I, he didn't have to say anything else. I knew that was the right song for that moment. Yeah, that's. So. That was one of my favorite. I will, I I'm always gonna cherish. Cause me and Kelly Ulanov were always backstage when that song would come up, and so we're right there behind the wall at the hand, waiting, ready to go out for our final mm-hmm. dance scene, like mm-hmm. the moment we meet. I, I remember that. Yeah. And and, it, and that I don't think there was a night where I didn't get choked up or have tears happen while I'm backstage, and just and just think of that. It's. For there were a lot of people who th- who saw that show, friends of mine, who thought that the play itself is is convoluted. But for the people mm-hmm. who were involved, the people who gave a shit like you did, um, that to have that that p- mm-hmm. specific song, I had never heard of before until we got to the rehearsal where mm-hmm. you debuted it, and it was like, yeah, 
Yeah, this is exactly what it needs to be. Um, you made the music for that, the sound for that, so so important, and you gave a shit about that entire story. So, I'm lucky a that I was able to impress you enough to get involved in that show, <laughs> and that um, you you gave your hundred and ten percent, Luke, on that. Well, that one was a dream project, and I was yeah. never gonna let uh, you know. I didn't want to let above all else. I knew if that if I let myself down, I let anybody else down on that show. Yeah. But the you know for you uh, you know you and Kelly just everybody that was another show from top to bottom was just so phenomenally phenomenally good mm-hmm. and there's you know it's it, like you're talking about with uh, any given Monday where when you have all the elements you got something that's special yeah. you got something great you know it yeah and I and, and I think I think what well, I'll speak I'll I'll toot my horn on this one I think one of the things that that made any given Monday work was my young eager mm-hmm. green rookie passion to direct that play mm-hmm. I there was a lot of ego going on behind the scenes before I got the opportunity yep but the second I got the opportunity I knew I wanted to tell a great story I knew I had to get the right directors the right actors right and I had to get the right help in my corner and um, we had Dan Ribb as our house manager who oh, made absolutely. it happen. Great production manager too. He hooked, yeah, he was great. He hooked us up with Sierra, mm-hmm. who's a great stage manager. Absolutely. We had you had we had yourself. We had Susan. Mm-hmm. We had uh, mis- actors Michelle Grimes, Kelly Elaine Dwyer. We had Robert Kramer. We we pulled mm-hmm. we we pulled off his couch and put him back on stage. <laughs> We got Peter Marullo to was, dye his hair, and that's and you know and, I know we we kind of did a share a nudge nudge wink, yeah. but I can't share that enough is because that's and that's again your enthusiasm mm-hmm. for the show and for the part uh, for that role is you know Peter was not the not the not I want to say not the right age he was just too he was younger for he the was part. younger no, he was definitely but then younger. he but he his energy and what he brought to it the relationship it, the relationships exactly. took care of themselves but absolutely it, but what it boiled down to is that we had everyone involved had all hands on deck they absolutely. all bought in mm-hmm. and i and and when when theater is at its best when you have those moments that you were describing i think to a degree you have all hands on deck looking at the exact same vision Mm-hmm. And they are they're gonna follow you or the message or that moment to the ends of the earth. Exactly. And that's what makes being an artist so fun. Before we tap out, mm-hmm. what is some little piece of advice? How would you leave the ghost light on for oh. the next generation? What's something you wish you heard when you started acting? Oh God, for a this paycheck? is oh wow, this is a good this is a good question. Um, I think the biggest pieces of advice I would say to anybody who's going to be and this is you know it's changed even in the 10 years since we've you know graduated and done this you know you know when we were young in 22 mm-hmm. 23 or 24 it was a whole different landscape whole different world than yeah. we are now you know hitting our mid 30s oh boy um, have as a young actor I would say uh, find something that you're going to be passionate about that, it, you know, I'll say two things. I don't think about it. This is going to be two. Okay. Find something that's, first off, uh, find something that's going to feed your mind. What I mean by that is don't become insular. Go see shows. Mm-hmm. Go read stuff. See what is being done at the theaters that are around you. You know, that's the one thing that I did, and I know you did too when you first graduated. Yeah. You know, when I first graduated, moved down to Denver. Uh, you know, I saw shows everywhere. Went to the old Victorian Playhouse. Went to Paragon. Went to Q 
curious, seeing what was being done in this town that I was now trying to stake a claim in, because it shows you what type of theater is being done, what type of stories they're telling, and it also shows you the type of people involved as far as what elements that are involved, as far as, you know, okay, uh, this director or this these actors, do I want to get to know them? Oh, hell yeah, that was a great performance. That was a great show. You know, let's spend two minutes afterwards saying, hey, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate that. And then hopefully I'll see you around. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe go out to a bar afterwards and network. Who knows? But see things. Read shows. Be out there and see what's not just the most recent Tony winner, most recent Obi winner, the most mm-hmm. recent Off-Broadway. What's what's out there so feed your mind keep ever expanding and don't be afraid to take classes do not be afraid to take an extra class because even though you may think oh I'm I'm out of college no because it's like an instrument you need to keep practicing you need to keep using your instruments your tools in order to become a better artist and a better storyteller absolutely so do not be afraid to do that so feed your mind and then something's going to feed your soul and I know we've been talking you know we've spent the last 15 minutes hour and 15 minutes talking about theater find other interests that you have outside of theater. Mm. The reason I say that is because if you're just living, breathing it 24-7, hey, that's great, but that's going to lead you on a path towards burnout. Yeah. And you don't want to burn out one of your passions, Absolutely. one of your great loves. So whatever that might be, whether it's doing something within theater that's not necessarily acting or directing. You know, I do a lot of sound design projects that, that scratches an itch that I don't have uh, being on stage or being as a director. But then also other interests, whatever that might be. If you have music or if you're into uh, literature or if you're into this topic or that topic, find something that's going to really uh, just make you a more well-rounded person because it'll decrease less burnout. But then also that's going to just make your life that much richer and that much more fulfilled by having other interests outside of just theater. Because it's great. It's wonderful. It's an important and powerful tool. But if that's your entire life and that's all you're thinking about and focusing on 24-7, 365, you're going to get sick of it real quick. Yeah, so find that, you know, whether it's whether it's sports, whether it's football, fantasy football, who knows? Mm-hmm. Home brewing, motor, mo- motorcycles, reading, gardening, writing, painting, sculpting, uh, you know, whatever. Find that and that'll help you in ways that you have no idea about. Absolutely, um, Luke. Thank you so much. You've oh been, man, thank you. You've this is a, this is a blast. We've, you've been we've done more than ten shows together. We've been there. <laughs> you've been there since the jump for me. Oh, ten. It's. I was thinking about that. It's been ten. It's been ten shows. Ten years. Yeah, and uh, more than ten shows. I'm just. Been... I'm just glad that you had the moment. We were able to sit down and talk about it. Oh my! Pleasure. Remember to keep that last weekend in August available for your NFL draft, your fantasy draft. Oh, draft. I, I I blocked that week off. That is like that's Christmas in August, as far as I'm concerned. I man. love the sound of that. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna make sure that I, I I get a message out to the league ASAP. But um, seriously, thank you again for being my, here. Oh, thank you. My thanks pleasure. for being so candid with me. Absolutely, um, thank you, this ladies is... and gentlemen. The man is Luke Allen. Ramsdorf Terry. You can just say Luke Ramsdorf Terry at this Luke point. Luke Ramsdorf Terry. I don't, I don't Terry. need four names. Three is just fine. <laughs> the man is humble, people. He's humble. So, he's Luke. The show is... Laugh on the 23rd floor. Uh, it opens March 16th at the Pace Center and runs until March 25th. Only two-week runs, so get out there and see it. 
I don't know the website, but if you just Google Pace Center, you can find it. What do you got coming up? I didn't even ask um, you that. What do you got? Right now, I'm just I'm sitting pretty recording the podcast until we get to the later months of the year. Okay. Where we start working on uh, the Kentucky cycle. Nice. I got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping to be the big bad wolf at uh, Miner's Alley next hey, week. For their, next their kids' production? Yeah. I got oh, my that's fingers fantastic. crossed. That's fantastic. I would love that. I, I hope love that it. works out. I hope that'd be great. All, all the description said is a well-dressed wolf. So I've got the suits oh, and the ties. Oh, baby. Because you know why you got that? You know why you got that? What's that? Because fashion is a goddamn, goddamn motherfucker. motherfucker. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a Coke. No, you owe me. Damn it, I didn't say the Coke this part of the sentence. So, it's two of you. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the podcast is the Ghost Lights, the Ghost Lights Podcast. Follow us on Podbean and iTunes. Like us on Facebook. We'll have the selfie and the and the link to the podcast up within the next hour. Please um, tell your friends. Luke, tell your friends. Absolutely. Um, f- go to the Pace Center website. Get tickets to his show because the man is not to be missed. He's one of the <laughs> most genuine actors I've ever come across. Just oh, people. You, one of the most genuine people I've ever come across. Um, usually we end with a War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Can I give you another option if that's okay? Well, let's do I, it. I'm sorry. I hate no, to tell you this. It's totally fine. Look up, because I was, th- you know, thinking I was going to go Bruce Springsteen. Oh, what? oh shit. What are you going to do Springsteen-wise? Never I mind. was never just going to do Dancing in the Dark. Oh, but... you do that. You do that. Okay. Never mind. I'll give you that All offline. Right. You do that offline. I, right. I will never say no to the boss. You do that. All, All right. right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Dancing in the Dark with Bruce Springsteen. Follow us ASAP on thepodbean.com. And a five-star review, go ahead and click on it. I cannot tell you how much that would mean. So give this man a five-star review. Uh, he deserves it. Absolutely. So We got a six-second ad, so let's keep talking about me and the podcast. No, the podcast is great. It's great because it's, it's, if you ever want to hear about the fantastic performers here in Denver, definitely do it because there are a lot of them, and he has a lot of great storytellers on, stay, uh, on the podcast. So find it, like it, review it. You will not be disappointed. Uh, and my man, he knows me so well. It's Bruce Springsteen. Uh, with, a, with an incredibly young Courtney Cox. Getting ready to dance at the end. Thank you, man. This is great. The Ghost Lights. Yeah.